Welcome back, guys, to the Grateful Living Podcast. I am so thankful today for uh, our guest. His name is Sean Jayachandran. He is the founder of Crossover India, uh, which is a nonprofit, international nonprofit, helping marginalized students um, stay in school uh, using basketball as a vehicle. Sean, thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you so much, Sean. I'm really excited. Awesome. Uh, so let's let's take it back, um, you know, to the beginning. Um, talk to us about uh, where you grew up, uh, where, like uh, maybe your family situation and things sure. like that. Yeah, so um, I'm like a lot of people in the U.S. and Canada. I was uh, born and raised out in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So that's, uh, for Americans, it's above Montana, up in Canada. <laughs> Yeah, the Rocky Mountains, and you know, uh, awesome experience. What a great city! Uh, really friendly. Unique circumstances, though. Um, like a lot of folks whose parents are from India, you know, son of immigrants. Uh, maybe not in communities that were super diverse back in the day. Yeah. Um, but the twist on it was, um, where in America we have a lot of families who are. Um, the Indian American community is very well known for being super, super educated doctors, engineers, lawyers, professors. Um, you know, my parents are super hardworking, but my dad is, a, and my dad's a mechanic um, and busts his tail and was awesome. And my mom, if you can picture it, is actually, um, she was born and raised in an orphanage in India. Oh, wow. So 1950s, born and raised, uh, born into the orphanage, raised there by nuns from birth. Um, and so when you think about it, and I was completely non-appreciative of this growing up, because yeah. I couldn't understand it. Yeah. You, but yeah. you have no contextual like, context. I, I don't think any of us quite can. Like yeah. the movie Lion came a little bit close, but he still got adopted <laughs> into a rich family. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. My mom didn't have that. My mom, yeah. um, earned a scholarship to high school, earned a scholarship to university. Wow. Um, and so even today, when you think about it, we're like, oh my gosh, orphan girl in India, like, we're like, there's not a chance. Like, yeah. we're trying to figure out solutions still to this day. And somehow my mom figured this out, yeah. right? Like, yeah. and, and, and as I got, you know, um, and so that was always in the background. It's like, you have to work hard. You have to, but you, you can come from nothing. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, moved to the DC area, um, Finished out high school there, went to college at George Washington, cool. uh, jumped into education as something to do before medical school, to be yeah. honest, like everybody else, like, oh, got to go be a doctor. Yeah. Um, but went and taught for a bit and loved uh, the fact that you got to coach and impact kids. And so went and got a master's in educational leadership, cool. looked at how that could work. Yeah. Uh, a part I skipped is when I moved to DC, my high school basketball coach. I'm again, it's funny how life comes together. Yeah. My high school basketball coach played for the legendary coach John Wooden at UCLA. Wow. And wow. he has three championship rings with Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Wow. Right? Awesome. So now at 15, 16, I'm inundated with this is exactly how you use basketball to become yep. a great human being. Yep. Right? Um, it's down to, down to like, here's how you put on your socks. Right. Yep. And, and you, you don't quite always realize you're in the moment of greatness or that you're being educated in greatness. And yeah. so as I got into my 20s and stuff, I'm like, wow, I love education. I love the impact. 
I understand, because I'm also coaching at this time in the school, but I understand how to framework this and why it changes, why I'm doing things a certain way is important. Yeah. And it's not always about winning. You know, what, you know, how you define winning becomes very important in life. Yeah. And, and so around 2010, um, I come up with this idea of like, maybe I can take, I'm reflecting on my mom's story. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. My mom had it much harder than I gave her credit for. Yeah. Here I am complaining about, mom, I need a new pair of shoes. And she's like, dude, like, I didn't have Paris. Like, <laughs> like I studied by candle. Like, my mom has this great story. She would tell me that she would literally steal candles from the church so that she could study in the middle of the night, right? Wow. And I was like, yeah. growing up, I was like, that sounds, that doesn't even sound real. Like, that's bonkers. Come on, mom. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, we know you had it hard. And then when you start to think about it, you're like, I couldn't pull that off. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to sleep. Like, I'm worried about sleep and you're worried about like lighting a candle to study. Like, that's yeah. crazy. And I'm like, and I was putting it all together. We were like, there has to be an easier way. Like everything that we look at in developing countries is if you just study harder, which sucks as a kid, yeah. you know, I'm going to be real, right? None of us want to study 20 hours a day. No. Like, yeah. But there's so many lessons we learn in life that that we are blessed with over here that we can learn outside of the classroom. Yeah. Like how can we make this easier for kids to advance and to do it? So I started playing with the idea of, okay, let's take those lessons from coach Wood and let's take my mom's experiences. Let's look at what we have and let's create a program where I can teach critical thinking, leadership, gender equality and equity, um, communication, teamwork skills, all of these quote unquote soft skills that we actually know are super important. Yeah. And how do I teach a kid that that grit and resilience can come from sports because they're not even, they don't know they're learning. Yeah. That's the best part of playing. Right. And we were very clear from the beginning. We're not looking to produce a pro like yeah. put away the Yao Ming comparisons, put away the one in a billion comparisons. We're here to work with families across the board and let's figure out a way to, to kind of bring this all to the forefront. And we've had a huge, tremendous amount of success of, hey, if you throw a bad pass, that's fine. Yeah. Let's go learn how to do it again. And let's do it again and again. And what did you see? Why did you throw that pass? What didn't work? Let's really deconstruct it. Because at the end of the day, we're all about, hey, let's take basketball's fun. Yeah. You're not going to be a pro. Nobody's yeah. going to pay you to do this. If they do, awesome. Right. Like, okay. But you're not going to get paid to do it, but can we take those lessons and apply it back to your classroom, your community and your family? Yeah. Like how can we have a generational impact by thinking about it through this lens of play? Um, and basketball works so well in India, especially in the cities in India. Yeah. Um, every city in India is more dense than New York city. Yeah. Just the case. Yeah. yeah. Space is at a premium. Basketball requires very little space for 10 people to be able to play. Yeah. It doesn't require much. It requires a ball and a makeshift hoop. And yeah. half the day, we don't need a hoop to teach you how to dribble. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not like soccer or cricket where you need a huge field, um, which is what people always think of right away. But you need space. Yeah. I don't have space in Mumbai or Chennai or Delhi. Yeah. Nobody has space. Yeah. And the other part of it is, 
um, for anyone who's wants to think back and think of like um, how misogynistic systems work or how bias works to an extent, let's just start very simple, right? Boys are always going to be at an advantage. And by that, I mean, the boys have already learned how to play cricket and soccer yeah. because it's okay for a boy to go play cricket and soccer with their friends out on the street. Yeah. So even if we were to come in with an intervention program, the girl who's participating is already four or five years behind the boy at a skill development. Yeah. So take away the fact that I'm trying, we're trying to educate both sides. We're trying to make sure the girls know that life is important. We're trying to educate the boys on the fact that, hey, you have to value these girls. Yeah. But if I'm showing them and I'm putting them in, a, in an arena where, the, where a girl's already skill level behind, right? Yeah. A normal, most eight, nine, 10, 11 year old boys are just going to say, she's just not good. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. take the girl factor out. She's just not good. Yeah. But if we bring in a sport that nobody has played, it's a game changer. It's an actual place and time where everybody's starting from the same starting blocks. Yeah. And now you can witness how fast a girl can learn. You yeah. can witness that she can do what you can do. You can witness that real time. And I think we, we forget that that's an important part of developmental learning yeah. is that witnessing that the person next to you can do something and you give them credit. And that's where your respect can grow from. Yeah. Right? We're, we're not going to deconstruct, you know, I'll use a good cliche. We're not going to deconstruct a patriarchy overnight, right? Yeah. But I can help the boys in a community see that the girls in a community are important yeah. because they can play at the same level, Yeah. right? And so uh, that went from where did you start to a whole no, no, arc, but fine. that's kind of been a lot of the thinking is how to yeah. put all these pieces together. It's never going to be perfect, I think, yeah. you know, as, as anything, but there's so much more depth to it than I think initially you might see when you're like, Oh, they go to India and play basketball with kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, taking it back a little bit, we're just curious, was there a difference, uh, in Canada versus us growing up? Um, yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're exasperated. Yeah. Sorry. We're seeing that difference really come to light in the last few years too. Canada uh, and Calgary is pretty, a pretty racist city 35, 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, it was tough for my parents. I know it was tough for me in schools at times. But Canada put in this like long-term plan of education is really important and like globalized education. Yeah. And so what you saw was like, hey, we're going to take this long-term approach that like Canada is a mosaic. We're going to start sticking every person that he is here adds to the puzzle and yep. it makes it beautiful. Yep. Right. We don't know what the end product is, but we know that we can add these layers versus when you came to America, depending on where it is, education is just all over the place. And, and it's not looked at that way. Right. Uh, America is known as the great melting pot. You're yeah. supposed to come in here and be stirred into it and, and then conform to a 1950s view of what America was. Yeah. And like I said, you can see that coming to the forefront where the tensions that have arisen um, with Black Lives Matter and bias in the world and the okayness sometimes with by a lot of people of we can jail up like immigrant kids versus in Canada like it's like cool like as long as we're checking everyone we're good yeah like let's just 
And it's why when I talk with my friends back home, they're like, I don't get the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't get why people of color are really acting, like, are, are so annoyed. And I'm like, well, because it's a different situation. Yeah. Like, you're right. You guys are starting light years ahead of us now. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. you're worried about something very different than what, we, than what people worry about in the U.S. Yeah. And, and so I think that the globalized education of like, how does all of it fit together yeah. is something that's sorely lacking consistently in the U.S. And it's, and it's becoming more of a have and have nots, right? Like there's multiple private schools that have put in diversity and globalized programs. And then depending on what public school you're able to go to, you can or can't experience those, that next level. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's part of it, right? Like we're just, you're seeing it even currently with people wanting to wear masks and the COVID, right? Like yeah. if I'm okay, then, it, then why can't I do X versus how do I make sure the community's okay? Society, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Um, or, hey, I'm poor and that person's poor. Why are you saying that they have it harder than me? Because I can't understand that the word privilege doesn't mean that I'm a millionaire but the word privilege just means that I don't have as many hurdles as someone else. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I'm a, I'm a person who, uh, it's a podcast, but for those of you who can't see me, right? Like I'm six foot four. I shave my head. Uh, I've got brown skin. I wear a backwards ball cap a lot of times. I get mistaken a lot for <laughs> someone who's African American. Yeah. Even by people in the Indian community. Yeah. yeah, all yeah. Other things. yeah. But it, it is amazing the amount of times you get like these microaggressions get, yeah. get played on. Right. Yeah. And, and it's even different. And I think even for people in the Indian American community, it's, it's hard to understand what the Latinx and the black communities are going through. Yeah. And um, we were speaking about this a little bit before we started recording, but like there's, we're starting to see a generational understanding starting to happen. Yeah. Right. There's people who are 40 and up who are, ah, I don't quite know what's going on. Like, you know, we just keep our head down and do our work. Yeah. Stay out of trouble. And then there's people who are under 40, especially under like 35, 30, who are like, no, 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 we, we got to be here. Yeah. Like, and uh, I think that's where we're starting to see a shift happen. Yeah. It, it, it's telling also, especially in this, you know, Corona situation with the increase in microaggressions against Asian Americans. So I think that's helped the brown community a little bit just because there's a little bit more relatability um but obviously there's always work to be i yeah and i think for a long time a lot of it was well we're not x right i'm not chinese american i'm not japanese american after 9-11 a lot of the indian american community would say like oh i'm not muslim yeah right and you're like to those people, they don't know. Like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like, that's not actually helpful. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're know. gonna make a judgment based on how you look. Yeah, they're making an immediate judgment. They're not trying to get to know you and then decide if they, yeah. <laughs> if they don't like you. Yeah, we'd all be good with that. Like, somebody took the time to get to know us and then not like me. All right, cool. Like, yeah, I'm good with that. You know, yeah. um, but yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of shifting, and hopefully you know, um, especially people your age 
are, are going to be continue to push that forward. And that's what we need. Right. And that's why I love this podcast you're doing is because it seems like that's kind of at the root of it. Like how do we keep putting good into the world? Yes, sir. Thank so, you. Um, yeah. Another question. Um, you know, were you introduced to entrepreneurship or nonprofits, um, you know, at all in your childhood or in, in college at all? Like, did it, um, or how did, you know, that come about into your mind? I think that's a great question. Uh, I wasn't introduced to it growing up. I was introduced to the idea and the concept from great parents who are, we have to always give back. Yeah. Um, Again, I, I shared about my mom. My parents have consistently sent money back to her colleges and schools to make sure future girls can go to schools. Yeah. Um, I had some cousins whose family fell in hard times and my parents adopted them. Wow. Right? Like, let's, yeah. even though, look, we're, we're a blue collar family, cool. Let's adopt them, bring them over. Let's have them have an opportunity. So that concept of we have to be beyond ourselves has always been there. Yeah. Um, being in Boston has definitely been a wonderful awakening, right? Like moving up to Boston and then seeing the entrepreneurship, seeing the community that exists around it. Yeah. And so when I first came up with the idea of Crossroad, I had no clue where to start with it. And so I actually attended a bunch of startup boot camps. Gotcha. Right. And I would just go to these sessions at MIT, at Northeastern, and just sit in these day long things and take notes. I'm like, I know we're, we're going to be nonprofit, but we still have to know how to run this properly. Yep. And we're, we're very different than most nonprofits. We're not coming from a rich person writing a check saying, here's $3 million to the startup. Like we literally, I was like, all right, how much money do I have in my bank account? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and where's that balancing act of, of how does it work? And so, but it has introduced a lot and, Boston's been great for it, where you're able to continue. Um, another place where a lot of that learning happened was actually via early Twitter, okay. right? Like yeah. I would go on and I'd ask people and I'd question and I'd connect with people. And we, we actually got like our first volunteers via Twitter. People I'd never met. Yeah. They were like, I'd go to India for you. That yeah. sounds great. And I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. Like yeah. how hard can, okay, that sounds good. We'll take it. Um, because my initial concept was, this idea makes sense. How hard should it be for me to go to like a thousand uncles and aunties and get a hundred bucks each? Yeah. Or a hundred uncles and aunties and give a thousand bucks. And it yeah. became the most impossible task ever. They, every person looked at me like I was crazy, right? Like, yeah. you want to take basketball to India to help poor kids. Yeah. Those three things have never been in a sentence together. <laughs> like, yeah. are you, you know? Yeah. Um, for those of you who are South Asian descent, the common term I would get was beta, come back when, you're, when you know how to make money. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, this condescending, like, yeah. like, I'm not trying to get rich. I'm trying to, to change something. Yeah. Um, we don't know what we can do, but I think there's something there. And so that entrepreneurial spirit did help. And it became this, all right, okay, you are a founder. And you should be acting like a founder. And how do I, Crin, and as you added more elements of a board, like we've gone from a, a very well-meaning, uh, really nice people board to some more cutthroat business-like people who are like, yeah. hey, that's great that you're really nice, Sean, but that's not how this is going to go down. We right? need results. <laughs> you need results and we need 
we need to showcase because your results work. Yeah. How do you showcase what you're doing? Yeah. How do we get you to feel comfortable sharing your stories? Because it's not bragging anymore. It's, dude, I can do this. Yeah. Right? You're doing it. They're like, take that attitude you have on the basketball court and just put it into what into your speaking. Yeah. And bring that, yeah, we're doing something that nobody else can do because we figured it out. Yeah. And we're coming from an angle that makes sense. And all those entrepreneurial moments have helped. And then even in the last few years, being in tech here in Boston and switching out of education, go to tech so I can have some more flexibility. Being in that environment in startup tech is great because it's showing me how to be nimble and flexible and pivot. And 2020 is the best example of that, right? Yeah. Of good entrepreneurs need to know how to pivot. Good founders need to know how to lead. Yeah. And and we're watching a ton of nonprofits hit the wall. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, like we know that there is far more valuable dollars to go to healthcare expenses for people right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're not pretending that's not. So how do I pivot and how do we still give value, you know, while staying true true to your mission? Yeah. Right? Um are you, you're seeing it at I am right. How many companies are trying to sell face masks right now? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. If I pivot into this, can I stay afloat? Right. Yeah. For us, it's like, okay, well, how do we pivot if we can't go to India? Yeah. How do I pivot if I can't teach on the ground in India? Yeah. Um, and so that's what we've been working on and we've, we're going to be unveiling a solution. Awesome. Um, one more question, uh, taking back a little bit. How did you, you know, in those early days in 2010 or a little bit before, how did you come up with um, basketball? Is that something you grew up playing or is it just, you know, why? I guess you talked a little bit about it because the even playing field and boys and girls in India not knowing how to play it. So that Yeah, I mean, for me, basketball was something different. Um, I was a soccer player. My dad sometimes coached in soccer. Uh, and then I ran into a situation where a elite level soccer coach was pretty transparent about the reason he wasn't going to select me is he wanted his team to be much more white. And, and, and I was like, Oh, and I remember being embarrassed, like as if it was something I did wrong. Yeah. Right. Like I had put myself in the position for this to occur. Yeah. And cause that's what 12 and 13 year olds do. Right. Like we internalize it. We're not saying it must be someone else's fault. You know, it's close uh, to your self-esteem right away. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I was like, oh, what's a sport that I can be involved with where color and race and socioeconomics don't always play a part? And I was like, oh. And it was right at the start of that Jordan domination. Yeah. Right? It was, you know, a few years in, and I was like, man, I, basketball's awesome, right? Like, look at what these guys can do. And, uh, and again, I'm blessed with being taller than the average person, definitely <laughs> than the average Indian. Yeah. Um, for context, my parents are five eight and five two. <laughs> I tower over them. Yeah. Like it's not even close. Yeah. So but it became that's so that's where the that passion and love for basketball was. But when you started looking again at sports in India, we saw two things. You saw soccer and cricket. Yeah. Right? Okay, there's that. There's Kabaddi, which is this village sport that has gained some traction, but mostly boys still. Yeah. Very physical. Yeah. Um, you know, and in thinking outside of the box, we're like, man, physical sports can lead to some bruises and injuries. And if you can't afford healthcare, (laughs) 
Library. I'm trying to think, you know, in a, we're trying to expand the vision of how we see things, opportunities. And then the last was, India's really good at individual sports. Theoretically, good yeah. at individual, like if they're going to win a medal, if they're going to be pro in something, it's going to be an individual sport because if you're wealthy, you can hire a coach to work on your schedule. Yeah. And you don't have to rely on anyone else, right? India is great at sharpshooting in, in the Olympic context, sharpshooting, wrestling, um, tennis, badminton, anything that doesn't require a teammate. Yeah. Because if I'm wealthy, I can A, afford it, and B, I don't have to rely on anyone else. And that's where, so adding something like basketball, like, look, we know that in the next generation of income, and the next iteration of what we're seeing, especially like, again, startups, entrepreneurs, you need a team sport. You need people who know how to work with teammates and who are critical thinkers, not I win at all costs. Yeah. Because we, even, all, you can win at all costs to, a, to an extent, but at some point it catches up with you, right? Yeah. Um, we work is a great example of that. We work with just cutthroating people everywhere. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden, everything fell out. Yeah. <laughs> and so everything can get to a point. And so like, um, and I think that ability to communicate that teamwork, that's where a sport like basketball became really like, you know, we're going to stick with one sport. People have tried to push this in different ways. Yeah. Basketball is great. And the other part is it's fast. Like yeah. it's fast paced. It keeps your attention. And for a kid, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the yeah. first time it was funny. The first few years we ran cross over the first two years, we actually never showed the kids what a real basketball game looked like because we were so worried about the skills. Like, yeah, yeah. and one of our college kids was like, volunteers was like, Sean, like, have they seen it? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. And I guess we kind of, again, it was something I took for granted. Yeah, yeah. Every kid I know has seen a game of basketball. Yeah. And when we, we had like eight or nine college volunteers and high school volunteers, we put them on a full court game and the look on these kids' faces was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like, look how fast and how quick. And when you put those skills together, that's what this looks like. Yeah. And you can jump out of a gym and you can, yep. oh my God. Like, yeah. and from that point, I was like, oh yeah, that's really important to, yeah. to show the end product. And here's the stepping stones to get there. But, uh, but I think basketball's, basketball's always had in America a tie with inner urban culture, with, with it's a game for anyone, yeah. right? The history of yeah. basketball even tells us that like college basketball before they allowed black athletes in the colleges was actually dominated by poor Jewish kids from the inner city. <laughs> like, this yeah. is what basketball is. And yeah. Yeah. it's crazy to think that that's, that it, it's the great equalizer. Yeah. And, um, and I think it can be that. And in India, you know, as, I, as I've shared, we're doing things so different from somebody else. Yeah. There's programs that are working with poor kids, marginalized families who are trying to produce pros. It looks like boot camp every day, right? <laughs> um, and it's, it's super impressive, yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong. But like seeing like 200 kids dribbling in harmony is cool, just not my cup of tea, Yeah, yeah. right? And then we're seeing, we're in a country of 1.5 billion people. We're gonna just take the top 20 teenage boys and put them in a, in, in a spot and train them. Again, just produce a pro. But, and and I, my pushback has always been, man, if you were to do that, Steph Curry would never be a pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Steph Curry was in top 20. He was in top, like, 200 coming out of high school. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Davidson, yeah. You're right. Like, Clay Thompson, yeah, maybe. Uh, a Langston Galloway on the Detroit Pistons never shows up. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you have to allow for things to evolve, and you can't. Late bloomers as well. And there's a lot of kids who are, who are top 20 kids out of high school who never, who are never there. Were never recognized. Or who just never make the NBA, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give a great example. I was speaking about the other day. For those of you guys who are sports fans, Ronald Curry, who played in the NFL for a long time. Yeah. Ronald Curry was a monster basketball player, yeah. right? He started at point guard at North Carolina. Like, let's just go there. Yeah. Did not make it. Yeah. Right? Never made the NBA. Yeah. And so you're like, ha. Huh. Like, there's a huge jump that still has to occur. And so – if you're trying to produce pros, awesome. Um, and there's a space for that, and we recognize yep. it. What we're trying to do is so different. Yeah. And we're, you know, uh, we're very much on the, hey, if, I, if we have kids in the workforce going to college in the next 10, 20 years, um, and, and our families, for those of you guys who don't know, they typically are making four U.S. dollars a day. Yeah. So that's the average, right? Yeah. So we're talking about less than 30 bucks a week to feed, house, pay bills. Yeah. Um, for most of us, I think we blow through $30. We can easily blow through $30 at a meal. Yeah. Let alone try and budget that for a week and have <laughs> yeah. people to feed. Yeah. So our whole thing is like, all right, how do you make that, you know, we got to make that better. Yeah. And sometimes that long-term is. And education always stays with the kid. I mean, the, some yeah. of your kids might end up going pro, or, but and even if they don't, they have the education to help themselves out. That yeah, it, you can't take away well, education. You can't remove the grit um, because so many of those families, or the families we work with, girls are looking to be become servants by the time they're 10, 11 years old. Yeah. Or they might be get, getting married by the time they're 14. Yeah. Right? Boys are dropping out of school to go to the workforce, right? You can go sell food on the stands. You can, like, anything that brings in some extra dollars a day is needed. So one of the most proud stats we have is the average kid in that population, less than 40% make it to high school. Wow. If kids do the crossover program, over 85% go to high school, wow. right? Like, yeah, we are legitimately making an impact and saying, hey, there's something more here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we're, again, we're always telling them, you're not going to be a pro. We don't even sell it because, to be honest, none of our students realize that being a pro basketball player means that you are a multimillionaire. Yeah. Like, there, there's no concept of, if I'm a pro athlete, I'm going to make $20 million a year. Yeah. Right? So we're not even fighting that battle. We're fighting the, hey, basketball is fun and I can help me keep going in school. Yeah. The program's going to keep supporting me and having my back. Yeah. And then, what's the, and then how do I work to, towards it? And we put buffers in place that help that. Uh, one of the key shifts we made early was instead of going for individual kids, we bring cohorts of classrooms. Okay. And so if I bring in 30, 40 kids from one classroom together with their teacher having to be there, yeah. they're going through a mutual experience the boys in the classroom and the girls in the classroom are learning the same idea of gender equality. Yeah. And therefore they grow together and they grow in their community together. 
right? I've, we've created their own internal network that they take care of each other. Yeah. Right. Versus educating a girl, pushing the ideas of leadership and, and grit on her and then putting her into an environment where other people don't believe that, which could be, to be honest, it, it can be scary, right? Yeah. There could be physical violence associated with a girl saying, I want to be educated or my, my opinion matters. Yeah. But if I, if she's in a classroom where the boys have already are totally cognizant of it, they're like, cool. Yeah. 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 Let me hear what she has to say. Yeah. Like, and if, if they grow up on that, they'll change society. Right. Like again, play that game, right? Like, Hey, let's play the long game of all these 30 kids are going to impact the neighborhood they're in. And in 20 years, we're going to start seeing that, Hey, there's, there's change that occurs. And I'll lean back into, you know, the people who gave my mom opportunities, 50s, 60s, 70s. No, none of them are predicting the fact that her son, yeah. you know, in 2020 yeah. is, is able, is, you know, went to U.S. colleges, has created a whole life. Like, yeah. um, and that's just a very different way, right? Like, we're not... And, and it's, it's an odd selling point that I have to sell myself. That I'm like, look, I'm your end product. Like, yeah, yeah, if you want to yeah. see what the end result is, yeah, I'm yeah, here. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, this is what happens if you play the long game versus, yeah. hey, we just need to teach this girl to get X. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, and I don't think many programs think of it that way. And maybe they don't have that connection point of thinking of it that way. Yeah. Uh, because we don't see, let's be honest, we don't see many examples of, the second generation, the third generation. Yeah. So um, one of the groups we always work with in Chennai are girls from my mom's alma mater, right? Yeah. And even when I stand before them and I'm like, hey, so my mom went to school here and they look at me like I am speaking like the most gibberish that could ever exist. Yeah. Right? There's no way you're one of us. Yeah. Like, you're, you're not. Yeah. Listen to you. You have an accent. You have an American yeah. accent. <laughs> you're tall you dress this different way. Like, who yeah. are you? You're not one. You can't be this. Yeah. No, my mom, my mom went to school here. I can find her name. Yeah. And, um, one of the best things in my life is that I need to get nuns at the school to vouch for me. Yeah. And I joke that I'm like, I'm one of the few people in the world that needs nuns to give him street cred. <laughs> right. Like yeah. the nuns come out and like, Oh no, no, his mom was here. Yep. Like he's telling you the truth. And yeah. kids are like, are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Street cred from nuns, man. Like, yeah. what it else becomes, can you ask for? It becomes, um, I mean, it's tough, I think, on, from a self-confidence standpoint. I assume a lot of these kids' parents didn't go to college. Correct. So it's Not good for them to see, you know, hey, if I work on dribbling, you know, every day, I can get better at it. And, and, and then translating that to the classroom and interacting with all of you it's it's such a hard sell in india at, at first yeah um we ran a test project of seeing with one of our alums who actually went to college we're hey can, we'll pay you some money can you go work with kids three days a week let's yeah. see what happens and on days the kids had crossover they were in school over 90 percent of the time and without it was closer to 70 percent yeah but you saw this shit because just that anticipation of looking forward to having an extracurricular. Yeah. Super yeah. simple. Wasn't yeah. rocket science. So, um, and so that's what we looked at and you're like, 
And the parents talk about it. Oh my gosh, my kid likes to go to school. They are speaking well. The teachers are the best testament where they are like, hey, we see empathy. We've seen empathy go through the roof. We've seen physical violence drop between students. Yeah. There's no violence. They don't hit each other. They're, they're, bullying is out the window. Um, a big thing we speak about is, and in people in, in tough situations, it's easy to say, hey, there's one slice of pie. And if I get it, you don't. And if you get it, I don't. So you're always trying to, to jump over someone else. Yeah. And we really push the idea of like, look, we can just bake more pies. Yeah. Like seriously, like, yeah. And modern tech tells us we can bake more pies because we have jobs that have no physical product around them anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I can just make more jobs if we just hit this right. So, all of a sudden, when our kids, I'm a big John F. Kennedy fan, and he has a line that's a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. And we really preached out to the kids that, like, if one of you comes up, we can lift 10 of you. Yeah. Two, you can lift 100 of you. And when the kids start buying into that, that they can help someone else and it doesn't hurt them, yeah. like how they've been taught before, we see this cultural shift happening in their schools already, right? Yeah. My gosh, like, hey, I can help you do well in math and it's not going to affect my math grade. We can both get A's, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And the teachers have been raving about the fact that, oh my gosh, like these kids have learned how to care about each other versus seeing each other as competitors at every turn. Yeah. Right. Um, and since we can't be there and what I mentioned about like the class impact, India has also grown in the last 10 years. We are rolling out in the next few weeks, a digital virtual coaches program, coaching certification program through crossover cool. where we're going to leverage our connections in college and pro sports and athletes and high schools. And we're going to have 10 to 15 minute modules. You can think of it as a master class of crossover. Yeah. That we're going to teach for free to coaches in India. Hey, educators and coaches, you sign up every few weeks. It unlocks the next set of videos. Yeah. You get to do a, a Zoom call with some of our people at times to do these uh, periodic check-ins to make sure you are gaining the understanding of what we're teaching. Yeah. And then you can, you can be crossover certified. We will provide the shirts. We'll get you guys some basketballs. Yeah. Or go work with one of our partner schools and you have our blessing that, hey, this person knows how to approach coaching the way we see it, which is social impact and not the existing format, which is a way to make money and to, uh, and to wins and losses, yeah. where everything is a win or a loss. And instead, no, 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 the win is, are these kids still in school? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're, the beauty of digital is we're not going to be able to, we don't need to cap it necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like if we get a hundred, awesome. If we get a thousand, even better. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we have from our network now that we've built up by being genuine, by being honest, by being straightforward, um, that we're able to go and say, all right, Hey, Roy Rana, who's an assistant coach for the Sacramento Kings. Could yeah. you do a 15 minute video for us? Uh, sure. Yeah. Hey, um, you know, Tommy Amaker here at Harvard. Can you do this for us? Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we're able to start to tap those markets in a different way. And then that's content that can continue to create while, and then for 2020, when we go back in 2021, we've, we've put out the idea that if you finish the program, we will fly those coaches. Flying in India has been inexpensive in the past. Yeah. 
but we'll bring those coaches to say Chennai together to be part of a whole program together. Yeah. So you will like earn a free trip to work with U S coaches yeah. and see it in action. And then again, it can grow. Right? Yeah. Like, we're like, Hey, we're not selfish about what we're doing. I don't think I've ever been selfish about it, but we have to be mindful of how we grow it and authorizing people. Um, there are people who took our ideas and have gone and created their own programs already. So, yeah. Can you, um, again, I'm taking it back a little bit. Can you talk about, uh, in 2009, 2010, um, what ultimately made you kind of get over the fear and start it? Cause I think so many people, uh, in the world, um, and like a lot of the people maybe watching this will, you know, they have an idea or they had an idea or they want to do something. Um, how did you like, I mean, especially at that time period, that's coming off of the recession too, yeah. 2007 to 2009. You know, at what point did you get over that and say, I'm like, I'm committing myself to this? So, starting at like nine, 18, 19, I started to play with this idea of, and I'm, I majored in chemistry, I like physics space-time continuum so I, i'm gonna go a little dorky here but yeah um a little like schrodinger's idea here right like there's so many ideas that exist and we don't know if they work or not because they're sitting inside us yeah <clears throat> you can't know if it works or not until you open the box yeah right just like schrodinger's can't we can't know if the cat's alive if we don't open the box yeah um so two realities are constantly occurring and it, it occurs for too many of us in our head and so many times we take external validation to a heartfelt approach, like to the point where it breaks our heart. If somebody we don't know doesn't validate us, mm. um, I think social media has amplified that even more. Yeah. Yep. To, to like, yep. Oh my gosh. My post only got 220 likes. Yeah. What did I do wrong? Yeah. Right. Instead of being like, man, 220 people liked what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's cool. I don't get to, if I got 220 high fives in a day, my day would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard for us to conceive that one. Yeah. Right. And so the philosophy has always been, look, we were traveling on this, this time plane, right? If I try to do something or if I try and get somewhere that I haven't been and I don't achieve it, let's start with the worst case scenario. I don't achieve it. Yeah. Yeah nothing should have changed in what was happening in my life. Yeah. Like <clears throat> if you approach it mindfully, now I'm not saying sell all your belongings, go all in, feed <laughs> money. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. Do this mindfully. You didn't lose anything. Yeah. But your path is still here. Yeah. Like you're still moving on the path as if you didn't do anything. Maybe, except maybe you learned some, you met some new people, you hit a few bumps, but you, you learned a bit about yourself. But if it does work, oh my gosh. Now you're into a whole new set of options. Yeah. But so many of us get worried about the, well, what if it doesn't work? And they feel like you're not on that equal plane anymore, but actually somehow you dropped. Yeah. And it's very, uh, to me, we don't drop. Like no part of that, of you trying something and not achieving it, hasn't changed you. Like if you again, do this mindfully and appropriately, right? Like, yeah. hey, if I tweet at, 
LeBron James. LeBron, you should tweet me back, by the way. But, <laughs> um, but when he doesn't tweet me back, it doesn't – it didn't change crossover. Yeah, yeah. Like, crossover's still doing what it normally did. Yeah, like, yeah. I think far too often we get caught in the, in the Disney hype of, like, this one thing. There's a magic switch. There's never a magic switch. Maybe there is. Let's be honest. Like, sure, you're right. If LeBron saw this and LeBron comes across Crossroads and goes, yes, I'm going to give you $4 million. Go do this. Okay, that's a magic switch. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But if you're planning on the magic switch, you're always going to be set up for failure. Yeah. Because it's like you're playing the term alone. It's magic. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not there. But if you're just doing it mindfully, and I love your question for this reason, because this philosophy has served me so well. Like, hey, you try it. It didn't work. Cool. Did it change who you are at the end of the day? And yeah. it shouldn't have. Yeah. It really shouldn't have. And, um, you know, whether it's asking somebody out or, yeah. like, starting an idea, what's the worst? Literally, in my brain, when I started crossover, I was like, man, like, how hard can this be? Yeah. Like, I've got a cool idea. Let's just put things around. Mind you, it's harder than I thought it was. Yeah. But it's not impossible. Yeah. Right? If you told me 10 years ago, hey, you're going to have impacted over 2,200 kids, 60% wow. of them are girls, I'd have been like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't even get to 50 kids in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're telling me that we can, or that you're going to get invited to the NBA games in India. You're going to get to meet X, Y, and Z athletes. Yeah. You got WNBA players fly to India. With None of that was even on the radar because I couldn't picture it. All I was like, how hard is it to start? Yeah. Right. Um, I'll go back to our, our Asian roots, right? Like yeah. the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to, all right, how hard was that today? Yeah. Um, you know, and again, magic switches. Awesome. They, they, if it exists, awesome. Yeah. It doesn't exist. It doesn't stop you from doing this much every day. Right. Um, yeah. I think I was, I'll compare it to even reading a book, right? So many of us are like, oh, I don't have time to read books. Yeah. It's just part of who we are. But you're like, if you finish 15 pages a day, which takes you like 20 minutes, yeah. hey, you should be able to finish a book in two weeks, which means you can yeah. finish 25 books a year. Yeah. But that's only by reading 15 pages a day. Like, but yeah. so many of us are like, oh, I don't have two hours to sit and read. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. But you have 15 minutes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is partly the rise of podcasts. Yeah. Like, people feel like they can digest the content yeah sometimes when you if it needs to be like a whole movie or a whole book we get worried about that same 15 minutes paying off yeah yeah um another question for someone out there that is considering starting a nonprofit. maybe two or three lessons you learned um in the first couple years that maybe if you had it to do again you would have you know i mean even as, as, you know, it can be like, you know, macro things or it can yeah. be micro, like get a lawyer, like think three lessons. Not number one, um, which we did correctly after I did it wrong, which was find a lawyer who's going to help you apply for your, for your 501c3 status. Like, or if you're an entrepreneur, the correct LLC or what status you need. Yeah. Because those forms don't make sense until you've been through it. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah. And so to lean on someone else's experience isn't ever a failure. It's, hey, I need to frame this in the correct way so it gets approved. Yeah. Um, I've watched plenty of attempted nonprofits drop the ball on that because they didn't think they should be asking the questions. Yeah. Um, number two, it is not self-serving to invest in media content production. Yeah. Massive mistake I made for years and years and years um, because all it's, we have great ideas and we should live on them. But if you can't showcase it, not everyone can see the same vision we see. Yeah. Um, if you can't showcase it, people have a hard time believing it's happening. It's almost like the brand is more important than the work sometimes. <laughs> and it is, and, and I hate, I hate it. Like yeah. in that regard, um, yeah. I hate that the branding has to be on point. Yeah. Right. Uh, you're watching me on Zoom. I, we created a Zoom background. Yeah, you yeah. Need yeah. To do it right, like yep. because the branding has to be on point. It can't. We've lived on in a great way that we are good people and our our work stands for itself. And it's grown that way. But as soon as we're able to start putting together some videos, as soon as we're able to start showcasing a little bit more, taking the opportunity to speak, yeah. people came about. Um, a side note of that is I, I got tapped as a backup to jump into a TEDx talk. Mm, nice. They gave me 10 days to prepare. Yeah. It was early in crowd. And all I thought was, nobody's ever going to ask me to do this again. So. Even if I bomb, I'll go back to what's the worst that could happen, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm yeah. on stage and I look like a knucklehead and <laughs> awesome. I go viral for being for having the worst TEDx talk. Um, Brown Girl Magazine picks up on it. They share it out to people because they're like, this is really cool, Sean. And I'm like, yeah. awesome. We've done two programs in India. Yeah. I have no idea how this is going to play out. Like, it's working, yeah. but we don't have all. Uh, an actor named Utkarsh Ambudkar, who was in Pitch Perfect, who was in, um, we all know him from Pitch Perfect, yeah, clearly, yeah. but he's been in so many other movies and TV shows. He's in the Mindy Project. Yeah. He's in the new Disney show, Mira, uh, Royal Detective, right? Utkarsh, all of a sudden, I wake up one morning, and he's followed me on Twitter, Instagram, like, all of our time. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah. And... Utkarsh, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I wasn't following him on anything at this time, <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, man, like, is this real? Yeah. This dude's, this dude's a man, and he's following, and I, so I reach out, and he's like, man, I love hoops, I love what you're doing, how do I get involved, can I come to India? Yeah. And I was like, this has to be a joke, Yeah. right? But by doing the, hey, I'll take the opportunity at the TEDx talk that somebody threw me, because why not? Yeah. All of a sudden, a movie star <laughs> sees it and it's like, cool, how do I get involved? And Utkarsh leaves filming Barbershop 3. So Common and Ice Cube, right? Like, dude, like, yeah. I mean, the man, right? And he, at the end of filming, he then flies to Chennai to live with college kids and myself to volunteer in the heat. Wow. Right? And he's out there balling, and I'm like, I really don't know if this is the right move for your career, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, you're far too cool to be here. Um, but again, 
branding is important. Yep. Do it. And again, uh, I will take the next step. We were horrific at branding the fact that Ukarsh was with us. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. and I didn't yeah. take advantage of that. Yep. Um, yep. So that's number two. Number three, don't forget the forest. Don't forget why you started. Um, yeah. Every, when you're making that incremental pro progress, some days you get knocked down. And yeah. some days you're like, this is, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Does it work? There's going to be a lot. Surround yourself in that case with good people who, who push back on you a lot. The first few years we had awesome board members who were too, at times, timid to push me. Yeah. Like, Sean, you know it. You, you should do best. And I'm like, I, I don't, but okay. <laughs> um, and we replaced with board members who will send me texts and be like, you sound like an idiot. <laughs> like, yeah. I know you're not an idiot. Stop yeah. sounding like an idiot. Yeah. Let's get after it. Yeah. Or what's the delay? I'm like, oh, I don't know if that deck looked right. They're like, I don't care. Send it. Yeah. Like, yeah. stop messing around. And you're like, yeah. I, so, you know, you know, don't forget that you need a coach. Yeah. Don't forget. And if you're watching, if you're listening, you can reach out to me and I'm happy to, to help be that person for a bit yeah. for you if you need. Yeah. Because awesome. <clears throat> We all need those people to keep growing. Yeah. Um, as soon as you think you've got this under wraps, it seems like the wheels come off. Yeah. But it, because you're not, you stopped innovating, you stopped creating, you stopped looking for what's next, and you started living into the oh, look at me. Um, you know, we're we're not charity water, and so I'm like, all right, okay, how do we build? But how do I learn from them? Yeah. Who's going to push me to the next part? Um, we added. Last year, we had Elena Beard of the WNBA on yeah. our board. This year, we have Ebony Hoffman, who's a former player yeah. and leads a lot of international NBA camps. And to hear their perspective, like, are you sure that works? Yeah. Are you sure? Like, what's making you think that? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you're focusing too much on the social impact and not as much on the basketball, Sean. You're getting a little too altruistic. Cool. Yeah. Um, Different perspectives. Yeah, Ani Sanyo, who runs Kolkata Chai and works with uh, different musicians, right? Like Anik Khan and stuff. And I've been great. I'm like, hey, we need to like get your branding up. Uh, <laughs> like, Ani is great. Um, he hears me speak. He's heard me speak. He knows I'm a big Tupac fan. Yeah. <clears throat> and he was like, listen, you talk about India. You talk about hip hop. You talk about hoops. And his first conversation to me, he goes, why have I never heard of you? And I was like, I, I don't know. He goes, the problem is I haven't heard of you. Not that you're not legit. Yeah. That, and I remember that pushback. And I was like, he's like, no, no, no. We need to make sure people hear of you, right? Like, the only way the rose grows through the concrete, and that's awesome, if a rose can break through the concrete, grown. But if I've never heard of it or I don't know that rose exists, how can I appreciate its beauty? Yeah. And, it, and it, it struck that next chord, right? Like, cool, stop doing just X let's shine the spotlight on these, on these roses and let's yep. make everybody grow. And so, yeah, invest in people, find people yep. who, and again, the worst, I'll lean back on the previous one, the worst they can say is no, like, no, yep. I don't have time. Yeah. But it didn't mean you're not worth it or your idea is not good. It's just, you don't know what's going on in my life. Yeah. Right. Uh, a mentor could have a sick child, they have a sick parent, 
they could have just lost their jobs. A deal went south. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And if it does, like I said, I will take that any day of the week that if you got to know me and you don't like me, cool. Yeah. That's fair too. Yep. But a good mentor will tell you that too. Yeah. Um, but, and then other people will say, wow, let me push back on you. What else can you do? Is this all, I think you can do more. Yeah. Uh, um, my high school coach was like that. I, as I spoke about, he played for Coach Wooden. Yeah. My parents are from India. It's a great story where second semester, high school senior, playing hoops, yeah. right? You've already applied to colleges. Everything's done. Yeah. My interim grades dropped from like a 3.9 something to a 3.4. Yeah. Interim, not even a real report card. Yeah, yeah. My mom has a meeting with the basketball coach. Yeah. And it's like, I don't like the fact that my son isn't studying. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. My American coach has got it. He's going to be like, yeah, it's okay, Lee. Yeah. No, my coach looks at me and goes, I'm really worried about this. Yeah. Your mom's right. If you're only giving a 3.4 in the classroom instead of a 3.9 something, then how can I believe you're giving me the full Sean effort on the court? Wow. So if you're not being you everywhere, yeah. how can I believe you're you in these sections? And he, bet, he didn't start me for the next two games until, my, <laughs> until I got all my coursework up. <laughs> and I was like, the heck? Oh, but coach, my grades are better than 90% of the team. Yeah. This is ridiculous. He goes, yeah, but it's not your best. Oh. And oh, at 17, that blew my mind. I was livid. Like, wait, you're telling me my – my little Indian mom at five foot two is right. And she's going to hold me off the court. Yeah, like, I've earned this. Yeah. And as I grew, you're like, actually, I didn't earn it. Yeah. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And I've tried to apply that same thing, right? Like yeah. if you're not giving your best and you're not showing that authentic self. Yeah. How's someone going to believe? Oh yeah. You turn it on when you're doing this, but otherwise your social media shows me that you're just like this dude who hangs out and does nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Show me, like be authentic. And if you don't feel you can be authentic around the people you hang with, like old school, fresh prints, you're hanging with the wrong people then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about, I guess. um, So what, talk about some of the fulfilling things, some of the accomplishments that you're, you're proud of um, with crossover, um, the partnerships and things like that. I appreciate that question because I have a hard time reflecting on those. Um, Proud of the fact that we have impacted over 2,200 kids when people said it couldn't be done. I'm proud uh, and I reflect on the fact that at the end of 2018, the WNBA Players Association endorsed us. Wow. That's awesome. Slam Magazine, the the basketball magazine, endorses our work and they're like, these guys are legit. Yeah. Right. Slam sent a reporter and a photographer to India with us to track it, see if we were legit. Yeah. Published a story, and they're like, "Yo, this is real." Yeah. Um, Adam Figman over there and Ben Osborne at Bleacher Report, both editor in chiefs, like, "Yeah, this is real. Crossover is real." Yeah. Um, like I said, the WNBA players um, having Elena Beard go over with me, having um, Marissa Coleman, Renee Montgomery, Marina Mabry, these folks who were like, "This is cool." Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you're putting something out there. That's been awesome. Um, the fact that we started conversations with, with some, sh- <coughs> my apologies, uh, with some sporting apparel and 
um, with different entertainment companies has been neat. And, um, and the fact that we've had a shift on, on community too. Um, when we first started, all of our volunteers were, were non, were basically non-Indian American. Yeah. The first year they were, then after that, never. Um, but then in 2017, we had this monumental shift where every student athlete that volunteered for us was an Indian American kid. And we okay. hadn't realized while we were making selections and stuff. Yeah. Also, you know, we're getting to India and I'm like, everybody. Yeah. And I'm proud of the fact that they, that next generation, your generation of people are finding communities that reflect their interests yeah. and we're able to bring them together. Like each of them had a story about uncles and aunties who, who told them basketball was a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, but all of a sudden they had 12 other people to talk to about it. Yeah. Like, Oh, you had that too. Oh my God. Yeah. Dude. Like, and the fact that this evolving identity that we, we all are having, yeah. um, I kind of term it as seeing India through our own eyes. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. I didn't have, it's funny to admit, but I didn't have a strong connection to India before I started crossover. Mm, yeah. I understood it, but I didn't have this like indelible love to India. I'm not a Bollywood person. Yeah. I wasn't, but I wasn't on a Bangra team. I, like I just wasn't that dude. Like, yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah. I was a baller. And uh, the, the, the closest thing is the fact that I was a nerdy science kid, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but it didn't exist for me. And then, starting crossover gave me a whole different sense of who I am. And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, like I could have been one of those kids out there instead of the guy up here. Yeah. And my dad used to always joke, he, he joked that I'm not really Indian because if I put you in the middle of India in any city, you can't get around. Yeah. So I was like, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. it's like I want you to think. And so a cool proud moment was like, my dad kept seeing the pictures yeah. and was like, can I come with you? And he did. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I was able to start getting him around Chennai. I was like, no, no, we're going to go to this restaurant over here. And I was like, and I was like this is kind of cool. Like, yeah. I know neighborhoods. Like, I can navigate India without even blinking. Yeah. Um, and so to understand beyond Bollywood, beyond Indian American-ness and actually interacting, right? Beyond, yeah. like, going to fancy restaurants and visiting uncles and aunties, which we all – can do in India, but actually be like, dude, I can hang out with people. Yeah. Or I can uh, hustle with people is a different mindset that exists. And I'm really proud of that, that I can fly to Delhi and back in a day from a different city or yeah. I can fly to Orissa and back. I can, like, and then I've explored the country. Yeah. Hold on one second. I just got to plug in my computer. It's about to die. Yeah. You're good. You're good. <clears throat> So I think that's a, that's a really cool accomplishment. Again, I think the authenticity comes out. I think I would, I would also say, you know, speaking from my perspective, the the awesome thing has been it's forced a lot of people who have some privilege um, to think about giving back and making society better. I appreciate that. You know, because it's. It's, I appreciate that. You know, it, it's something that 
when you hear that number, you're like, like Sean just did this. Like he just changed 2,200 lives. Like from just an I like, you know what I mean? Like, and just, you know, for us, you know, a lot of us, you know, a hundred dollars is not that big of a deal. Right. You know, I mean, a lot of young, you know, twenties and thirties people might spend that in a weekend. I'm like, I'm not even joking. Like, and so for us to start thinking about our social imprint um, and donating to organizations like yours is, is going to be important um, for the future. You know, I appreciate that because I think when I started it, I couldn't find ways to, to feel like you could be impactful without having some name or notoriety or huge dollar amounts behind you, right? Yeah. And yet, and I think that clearly those organizations still exist. Yeah. Um, but I think part of Crossover was like, look, we want, I, I just think we can all do something. Like, it doesn't have to be, I don't know how many kids we'll end up impacting at the end of the day, right? Yeah. If we can get to 20,000, awesome. Like, cool. Um, but if we can be, I think like what you're saying, like if we can just be a little more cognizant and we've been re I'll, I'll push on that. That makes me super proud to hear you say it because we've avoided what we term like as poverty porn. I don't want to show you pictures of poor kids. Yeah. I don't want to show you pictures of flies around a poor child and like this bad filter and look how I don't want that. I don't want you to feel sorry for them. I want you to be like, man, that kid could be the next X. Yeah. That kid might have the next great idea. And if we don't help that kid get there, we're, we're all screwed. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the raw numbers tell us that like India's important and it's not because I'm of Indian descent. The raw numbers tell us that like one in five kids in the world live in India. Yeah. yeah. And if 90% of that, one in five kids don't have money and access. We're legitimately saying, okay, 18% of the kids in the world, we're going to write off immediately that they'll never amount to anything. Yeah. Baffling. Like, and I think there's a way like there, you've gotten to know me and you've seen it. Like there are good ideas, but then there are ways that we can all stand on ideas too. Like, yeah man, I need smart people who, like you, who are like, Sean, how do I do the next thing? How does, how does Crossover do that? And I want you to try and stump me because I want to be like, I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Can we figure it out? Yeah. Because those parts are so important. And, but if I'm getting people to think that way, man, you know, yeah. I'll lean back to my, I, I went from a JFK quote, I'm going to lean onto a Tupac quote, right? Yeah. Which is, um, and I'll paraphrase it, but it's like, look, I may not change the world, but I sure as hell hope that I help spark the mind of the kid who does. Yeah. And my buddy and I lean on that so much. Uh, Rod, quick shout out to you. But I lean him and I talk about it where I'm like, I think crossover is a cool idea, but I think we might spark so many more ideas because people see that it's possible. Yeah. Um, as I was telling you earlier, crossover has never fundraised or had a budget of more than $42,000 US a year. Well, yeah. like, people, that means that we've never paid somebody to work for crossover. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. Like, 
Um, but if you can make change off of that, yeah, right? Like you said, hey, if I take my bar tab from one weekend yeah. and I put it towards Crossover, Crossover said that they can impact at least one kid, one kid's entire life for a year on that. Oh, okay, wait a second. Yeah. Like, that's a cool trade-off. I'm not asking for every weekend. Yeah. We're asking for, like, one, yeah. And then how do we create fun galas, social events, things that make people want to show up without charging you $5,000 a ticket. Yeah. You know, um, there's an organization that charges five, $10,000 a ticket yeah. to Indian Americans. They approached us to, to kind of outsource their work. Hey, we got this contract um, with the NBA to run basketball in STEM. We'd like you to run the basketball side. Sean, can you do 500 kids for $7,000? I was like, are, are you, you're, no, <laughs> like, yeah. how about 30,000? No, no, 7,000. That's our budget. I'm like, and, and it made me yeah. so, I, I felt like, again, like part of like that innocence gets pulled off, right? You're like, I know your organization's worth millions. Yeah. And you're saying you can't give more than like 15 bucks per kid. Yeah. Like to run a year long program. Like, yeah what kind of quality are you, are you approving for those children? Yeah. Right. Like there's the, is it good enough for them? And then versus, is it good enough for us? Yeah. And I'm not saying that our kids in India are going to always have everything as good as we will. They just, they're not. Yeah. But can I settle for higher than, is it good enough for them where they currently live? Right. Like, we give them all a dry fit shirt and a basketball as a starting point. And that's a good, good product because we want it to work. Yeah. I don't want them to ever feel like they're less than, right? Yeah. Uh, it's why we've never really done shoes yet, yeah. uh, to be honest. I don't know if, because how do you give shoes to some kids and not all the kids? Yeah. Because they don't need to be reminded of the fact that I'm still not good enough for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Right? Um, so until you can do it right, do it right. Um, but I think there's a lot of ideas, and I appreciate yeah. it. Now you're, you're, you're making me all emotional because I want to be like, man, I, how do I tap what Arnav's saying and, like, build on that? Because there's got to be something. Hopefully we can, keep, we can brainstorm that. Cause and I, I would also reframe what you were saying is that, you know, you're bringing in – you're only bringing in, whatever, 42,000. But I would also say – that's 42,000 that people were spending on, you know, you know, a dinner, you know, or something like that. And, and that's, that wasn't there. No. You know, that wasn't going to these kids and things like that. And um, so that's, that's a real tremendous. Uh, oh, thank you. When we, when we first started doing this, you couldn't source hundreds of basketballs in India at one time. Yeah. Think about that. We call companies and be like, "Hey, we need 500 basketballs," and they'd be like, <laughs> "In a year?" I'm like, "No, like now." Yeah. Like no. Yeah. Um, so we would use my basketball connections here. We get old basketballs, leftover basketballs from camp, right? Yeah. They might say Butler, Georgetown, etc. Right? Like all these different groups. Yeah. And um, we would de- we'd have them all deflated, and we would put 30 to 35 basketballs in a suitcase deflated and have 10 extra suitcases going to India yeah. to bring in 350 basketballs into a country. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> to which 
I'm sure customs are just like, I don't even know what this is. Like, yeah. like why do you have, um, but it, like, how do you, those basketballs would have just been probably thrown out. Yeah. We got them for like three bucks a ball, four bucks a ball. We just had to figure out a way to transport them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and we've been really big on this not being service tourism. Like, I think that's the other thing I'm proud of I'm thinking about your question is like, we really stuck to our guns that like, we want to educate you on India while you're there. I don't want this to be a vacation that uh, we once had a volunteer where I had meetings and they're like, Oh, that's okay. I found a resort two miles away that we could go to for, I was like, what? <laughs> no, no, no. I think you're at the wrong place here because people did not donate money for you to go to a resort. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now, if, you, if we went to a museum, they'd be like, oh, cool, they're learning about India. They're yeah. being impactful. If you're doing it, if we're going to visit our students in the slums, okay, that's cool. It's making an impact. Yeah. Like, so we've always pushed that envelope of like, hey, you need to learn. We're here to learn, yeah. not vacation, and it looks good on my resume. Yeah. Right? So. Um, one question. So how would you... Um, you know, this sounds like a lot of work. So I, how have you balanced, you know, this work, your professional life, your personal life, and then just enjoying life too? I mean, it just, you know. Um, there are days it's tough to, uh, not going to lie. Yeah. But I think if you're passionate and you like stuff and you see that there's a cool part to it, um, you can get through it. And it's just, again, just what do I need to do today? What do I need to do tomorrow? It's not, okay, planning out for 500 kids in India in 2021. It's, yeah. all right, what do I need to do right now? And I think when you surround, again, when you're around good people, family, friends, that that aren't just like you fell into those friendships, but you've cultivated them. You've cultivated yeah. those relationships that people are on the same page. You start hanging out with people who, who want the best for you. Yeah. And they're not bored of hearing about your passion. They want to hear your passion and push you on it, right? Yeah. Uh, like I said, some of these new board members are really, have become very good friends of mine because we like to talk about this stuff. Yeah. We want to know how to, how to, make the world better yeah um your family has to be there you know if they you know whatever stage you are they don't believe in if, if you're not with people that believe in you it's then yeah you're just asking for arguments and strife right yeah people have to be on board yeah uh if you're someone who's married and has kids it has to be on board or they're gonna be like this is you're just taking time away yeah. it's not important um and i think you said like you know personal like if you're not finding enjoyment in doing this don't do it yeah like good point. Yeah. I, I think too many of us get caught into the this was a cool idea and I need to jam it through but it, man if you don't like it don't do it because then it's punishment and we don't need to be self-punishing yeah um I love some of the challenges of crossword because I think it's made me a better human being it's made me a better man it's made me a better learner a better son a better dad, husband, you know, you can become more. And when you're learning, it's so impactful because yeah. for me, I like the growth. I get geeked out still when, uh, when my friend 
Langston, Langston will text me asking me a question. And I'm like, dude, you're an NBA player. Text me. That's the coolest thing in the world. Like, I still get geeked out over little things like that. Yeah. Or if somebody reaches out or um, – because I want to see the beauty in the little things. Yeah. And a, it's easy to forget that those – don't forget that something that made you happy on day one should still feel good on day, like, a 1,000. Yeah. Right, like, yeah. I, you know, you shouldn't forget that those things make you happy. And I think I've had so much outreach in the world. Like, like I said, the experiences that, that have happened because of it. Yeah. I think have only enhanced me. Like, I guess I, I mentioned it earlier, but like getting invited to the NBA games in India is unreal. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would have never, ever in my life pictured that I go to an NBA game in India. Yeah. Or any basketball game, but to it, like, to yeah. see an NBA game, to be on the floor, <clears throat> to be invited to uh, the Soho Club in Mumbai to yeah. to interview with people, I'm like, that doesn't make sense in my brain. Like, um, the fact that there are founders and VCs and techs who want to talk to you, like, awesome. I didn't. This isn't what I ever saw coming, yeah. and I think if you're open to that. If you're open to like, hey, this is an adventure. Um, I think a lot of us forget, like, and getting very conceptual, but life is what we make of it. And yeah. you can be, you can stay safe and do your stuff. And I think there's value to it. People like our parents had to bust their tail to give opportunity for us. Yeah. Part of what they worked so hard on, and the adventure was like, let's be honest, they moved from the other side of the world. My parents did from yeah. India to Canada. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they moved another thir- almost 4,000 miles from Calgary to DC. Like, and my dad did that because he knew that I was interested in US schools. Yeah. Um, man, if my parents can do that, which seems terrifying. Yeah. God, terrifying. If, if they can do that, why can't I just try this? Like, why can't I see every day as like, what's the next cool stuff that's going to happen in life versus every day is the same. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and again, I'll reiterate, I'm not saying sell all your worldly possessions and go all in. Yeah. yeah. But if, but if you can start something that you can, or join something that you're like, man, this is cool. Yeah. This brings me extra joy. Yeah. That's awesome. And, um, one of the reasons I like doing like a podcast and these conversations is it makes me reflect on the joys across the world. Like I'm looking at the picture behind me and I'm like, Oh, I remember us having that many kids lined up and the photographer wanted to take this fun shot of how it might look. Yeah. Right. But that it's funny. Like I never considered myself a public speaker per se until I started crossover then when you have to get get in front of 400, 500 kids each day and talk, you better start getting good at it. Good like, quick. <laughs> and, and then when I gave a TEDx talk and there's thousands of people watching, you better figure out something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, nobody's asking me to give a TEDx talk about education in general or about tech world. Yeah. But my crossover, they want to. Yeah. Because it's... it's it's a different idea. And, and a lot of what we do is how do you create and cultivate ideas? And yeah. it's a shame that so many of us stop playing with ideas, right? Yeah. Like 
always remember as a kid being like, man, I want to create a car that can go to the moon and then it's going to have a swimming pool at my house. Yeah. And we all stopped thinking that stuff was possible at some point. Yeah. Except for Elon Musk. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. but the funny thing is, if we just kept thinking those things were possible, right? Like, we got more granular, right? Yeah. I want to buy a house. I want to buy this car. Well, those are like finite things. Yeah. Instead yeah. of, man, I wonder if I can dot 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 fill in the blank right why can't you i don't know it seems hard yeah because it's hard to everybody when you look at the end product like yeah yeah yeah. you know um but if we can figure out ways to and that's why i love it like if we can dreaming big you know dream big but starts where you are yeah yeah. like your feet are planted but just because i'm standing here today doesn't mean i'm standing here tomorrow yeah and that would be cool yeah how is um uh how proud has your daughter been of the work you're doing uh my daughter and my son love it yeah they're mind blown by it like they yeah. think it's the coolest thing in the world yeah yeah that's awesome um i was there anything else that you wanted to hit on no um yeah. I think I'm being genuine though and saying like, if there are people who want to bounce ideas or play with stuff, more yep. than happy to. Um, you know, you can reach out through any version of crossover basketball that you can find on Instagram, Twitter, the website. Um, that's awesome. If you want to throw us your coffee money for the week, yeah, that would be hugely impactful. Yeah. Uh, so can you? So how can we support you? Yeah. So I think there's multiple ways. One is. Clearly, at the end of the day, donations are helpful. Yeah. So whether it's $5, $20, $100, um, you know, if you want to start your own fundraiser or your own social gathering event when we can again, yeah. and have like a, a basketball watch party with everybody chipping in like a, a cover charge, Yeah. that's huge. You can go to crossover-india.org and that's where you can find our donate button and be involved that way. Yeah. But also be involved though in, hey, I want to help you guys with social media. I want to help you guys with introductions. I want to volunteer and go to yeah. India next year and be part of this for three weeks. Yeah. Um, or I think I can be of help because this this sounds really cool. Um, you know, have you looked at do you need a program manager for something who has those skills? Do you need somebody who can help you with the website? Do you, awesome. Yeah, like I said, with zero paid employees as we grow, all of those things are helpful because all it means is that I have less emails to deal with at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the ways people can get involved, I think, is it's just like building any organization. Yeah. What skill set you have, what passions you have, I'm not gonna fake out on this. If you're passionate about something and you're like, hey, I like doing this, I'm good at it, I think it could help crossover. Yeah, I want to hear about it. Like. Yeah. I'm not going to pigeonhole you and say, that's cool that you're really good at fundraising and social media. I want you to build a blog for us because that may not be up your alley, but yeah, let's take, I'm going to live into that, right? Yeah. Your authentic self, show me your authentic self. It's, it's humans first and let's figure out how we can all help. And they can get something something out of it too. Oh my gosh. And yes, if you want to be self-serving, awesome. It's going to build your resume. It's going to give you, so much startup mobility experience yeah and 
let's be honest, it's going to give you a conversation starter whenever somebody asks you the question of what else do you do? Yep. And you, I don't think there's anything better in the world than to say, man, I help change lives on the other side of the world. Yeah. Like, we are figuring out how to take girls who are destined to be domestic servants or seamstress and are getting married and having kids before they're 18. We are impacting their long-term change. Yeah. And if you can say that and be like, that doesn't sound like something that's important to me. Cool. We're, we're definitely not the same type of people. Yeah. But if it, if you say that sentence and you smile, then, then you're one of my people and I yeah. want to hear from it. Yeah. Sounds good. So crossover basketball on Instagram and then the website is crossover India.org. Yep. And if somebody wants to, I'll be, I'll be the old person in the room. If somebody wants to get us rolling on TikTok, more than happy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I still haven't figured out where we can use TikTok effectively for what we do. Sounds good. Anybody out there that wants to be crossovers, TikTok. Mastermind. You're on. Intern or whatever, you know, this, this is, Sean is available. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Sean, again. Um, thank you, Arna. Really, uh, Glad to see all the work you're doing and the, the lives you're impacting from the, the kids there to your own kids to people like me that are, you know, just reframing our mind and seeing what we're doing to help society. So um, thank you very much and uh, all the best. Continue. I've enjoyed the previous episodes. I'm excited to hear them. So keep building this because I think you're on to something. Thank you. On it, brother. Thank you, Sean. Thank you.